Welcome to our second presentation on credit and dangers thereof. In this presentation, we'll take a look at your credit report and then um, take a look at some of the things that can happen when things don't turn out the way we expected them to when we get in trouble. So let's start on slide number 35. Your credit report is based on th the information stored in three super bureau bureaus, they're often called. The three credit bureaus are Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And they all talk to one another. Their computers are all linked. And they, if one, something goes bad on one person's uh, uh, account, they, the other ones say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> something went bad over here. So, so they're all hooked to, hooked to one another. And if you want to get taken off their list, here's the phone number, right? Opt out, it's called. Get me off your mailing list. Now, I didn't think this was going to work. You only have to call one. You have to call once, and it takes you off all three. Now, it doesn't get rid of your data. It just stops them from saying to the rest of the world, hey, this person... Uh, or, or tells the rest of the world, we don't want any more credit solicitations. Because how does it work? These companies are are contracted by the banks and the credit unions who want to find new parasites. I mean, they're parasites. They want to find new hosts. And they say, you know, we want people with this credit score who live here, who make this much money and work here. I mean, that's how sophisticated their databases are. And so when you opt out, it simply says hey, don't put this person's name in that list that these companies request. And I didn't think it was going to work, right, truly, when I did it many years ago. I So I opted out, and, and sure enough, within four weeks or so, they stopped coming to me. They started coming to my wife. <laughs> so, so we took her name off, and we stopped getting them. It was amazing. And then my son was about eight years old. And he gets one. And I thought, oh, this is good. <laughs> I don't know how they got his data, but they did. And, and obviously something's wrong because they're not going to give a credit card to somebody who's under 18. So I, I filled it out and had him sign it. And I said, Joseph, would you sign this? And he said, we haven't learned how to do cursive yet. <laughs> so I said, just print your name. And I thought, if they give him a credit card, I'm going to the television stations, the radio stations, the newspapers. Because this isn't right. And, of course, I didn't lie. I said how much he made. We pay him a pretty good um, uh, allowance because he keeps his room immaculate, not like his father. And um, they wrote back a letter saying, sorry, you know, you're under a list of reasons they denied you. And one of them was underage. So, so you definitely want to check this out. You, as members of the Great American Benevolent Economic Machine, are in there, whether you like it or not. Now, they might not have any data about you, and that's why we talked about the secured credit card. But you definitely want to make sure they don't have bad data in there. So every year, you can get uh, a free credit report from each of the three super bureaus by going to annualcreditreport.com. That's the only site, folks. All the others say they're free, but they're not really free. They're free for the first month, and then they charge you a million dollars, or like 20 bucks a, a month forever. There's a couple of them that really are free, but I don't think they give you the, the real data. I think they give you sort of just um, a, a, a washed data 
version, a, a, a Reader's Digest version, if you young people know what I'm talking about, a, a small version. So, so check out annualrecreditreport.com once a year. You can either get all three of them once a year or stagger them, but you definitely want to uh, keep track of your what's on your credit reports because it's very, very important. The first time I got my credit report, there were numerous errors, one of which was very interesting. I was paying dutifully on a mortgage on a condo in Miami Beach, Florida. And I called them up and said, I don't even, I've been to Miami once a long, long time ago. And they said, oh, we'll take care of it. And sure enough, there was another Frank Piano in this world, if you can believe that. That name is not very common, even in Italy, where it's from. So check it out. Get your free credit report. Check out what's on your, what, what is on your report. And call them up if it's something wrong. Slide number 36. The three super bureaus then feed their data to a company called Fair Isaac Corporation. Now, most people just call it FICO, and that's why you hear the FICO score. And this is the important one. Other companies, such as the three super bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, create their credit score, their own credit scores. But the one that lenders use the most is the, the FICO score. And the scores range from the upper 300s to the mid 800s. And you'll hear people screaming, oh, how come I don't have 800? Forget it. You're not going to get it, okay? <laughs> they, they, you can have anything above 700 is fine, folks. Seven People are saying you should have at least 740. But, but really, if you have 700 or above, you're doing okay. And they say, I've never missed a payment. Well, they're looking at where you live also. You know, what occupation. They're trying to guess what your net worth is. And then when you get into the upper echelons, then you'll be above 800. Although I know a few people have 800. They're really not that wealthy, but it takes a while. At around 600, your credit application is supposed to be manually reviewed, but it doesn't always happen, and we'll discuss this in a bit. And once you're in the mid-500s or lower, you're considered a high risk. In fact, most credit unions... They don't even want to look at you. They don't, they're not interested in you. Uh, banks will take you, but they're going to charge you a whole lot more. So it's, it's important that you build that credit score. And again, use a secured credit card and very quickly, within a year or so, you will have a healthy credit score. Now make sure you pay your payments on time, right? Because how is your credit score, uh, uh, calculated? Slide 37. Well, it used to be that FICO would hide this data, but then sneakily put it out into the world. And uh, people just thought, this is a charade. So now you go to FICO's page, my FICO it's called, and they tell you. What's the most important thing in your FICO score? Do you make your payments on time, right? That's why you set it up so your payments... Your credit card that you, your secured credit card that you use for gas or, or, you know, use online or something like that. You make sure it's paid in full every month automatically. Then your score is going to go high. Also, you don't want to, what they say, max out. You should never pass 75% of your credit capacity. I think you should never pass 25 to 50%. Keep it low. But uh, in other words, don't don't run up your credit cards to the max because they don't like that. They also look at the length of the credit history. The longer the credit history, the better, right? 
And some people will say, don't get rid of an old credit card because it'll destroy. No, it won't destroy your credit history, your credit score. It'll ding it a little bit. But then again, you make your payments on time and, and, that, and it'll, it'll come back. And then if you open up too many accounts in a short period of time, and of course we don't know how many too many is, that's going to ding your credit score, but just a little bit, not a whole lot. Again, the important thing is to make your payments on time. And then the last thing is the, the types of credit. They love mortgage holders. They love, um, um, you know, homeowners. Yeah, that's, they, they think that's cool because they, they know they got a home and they don't want to go bankrupt and, and just, well, you don't lose your home normally in bankruptcy, but still. They, they think that makes you more stable. Now, it used to be that you could put an authorized user on your account, and that person or persons would help their credit score, but not anymore. At least that's what it says, so you never know. Other people say, oh, no, it will help your account. And I think, okay, well, FICO's saying it won't. So you decide. And then if you want to go to the website and take a look at what they say, it's basically I, we just took a, what was there and put it right here. So check that out. Slide 38. The Fair Credit Reporting Act. Again, you go back in history and there are times when the Republo rats and demagogues have worked nicely together in the sandbox and done very good things. And the Fair Credit Reporting Act is actually a pretty good piece of legislation. It ensures, or at least it makes it easy for you to ensure that your credit report is accurate. So you get a free credit report every year, and then if you're denied credit, you get another free credit report. So um, uh, if you are denied credit, you definitely want to take a look at why they did this, you know, and ask them why they did this. And if there's any inaccurate information, they have to correct it very quickly, and they do. I mean, as I said, I was on the condo <laughs> mortgage. I mean, I, I could have just kept my mouth shut because it helped to build my credit, but what if the guy stopped making, make, making the payments? So I called up, and within, you know, I mean, minutes it was gone. Only authorized persons are supposedly have access to your report, but this is not true. <laughs> it's not true. Anyone can basically access your credit report. Now, there are some safeguards involved, but they're really few and far between. Adverse data. What does that mean? Missed payments, late payments, charge-offs. What's a charge-off? That means they've given up. You know, they've sent you bills and you just stopped paying them and, and they gave up. That doesn't mean you, you still don't owe the money. You still do, but they just gave up, so they charge it off. And what are they going to do with it? All right, they might send it to a debt collection service. <laughs> uh, judgments against you in a court of law, small claims court. All these adverse data items can be reported for seven years by the, by the three major super bureaus. After seven years, they have to remove it from your report. So you get your report, and there's stuff from you know, 1999 or 2003. You call them up and say, this got to go right now, and they're supposed to get rid of it. Bankruptcies can be reported for 10 years. Okay, so I want you to remember those two numbers. Notice they're red. That's very important, isn't it? And you must get these right on the exam because it's bad for my self-esteem, okay? Seven years, adverse data. 10 years bankruptcy. Slide 39. There's an entire industry now building up around what is called identity theft. 
Because, folks, you know, crime pays. You're your own boss. The hours are good. The pay can be good. No, folks, don't do it. Uh, protect yourself. Shred everything. Get a good shredder. You know, 30 to 50 bucks is a decent one. If you want to get a better one, I have one that was bought back in the 1980s. It was a really heavy-duty shredder, and it's still working. And newer ones, I think, you know, they're really pretty cheaply made. But, hey, who cares? It's not that much money. So don't throw away your credit offers in the mail. Shred them. Don't throw away your, your account statements, your old checks and the like. Shred everything. You may not know your identity has been stolen until you receive a bill with charges that are not yours. Now, it's very difficult to find good information about this. The company, organization, not really a company, they're, they're a nonprofit called the ID Theft Organization, idtheft.org. They say that it's, you know, we're talking like $25 billion a year. And so if you can find better data, please do. But, but it's hard to find good data. If you're hit, we're looking at over $1,000 average per victim. I don't know about you, but we've been hit a few times. And it's usually we, we're getting a phone call or something saying, hey, did you just charge $400 on a Walmart in Tucson, Arizona? No, we're nowhere near Tucson. I mean, we're kind of close to Tucson, about seven, eight hours away by car. And then uh, you have to come in and sign something that wasn't me. And sign. So those were pretty straightforward. It was resolved very quickly. They gave us a new card. And uh, But then you hear horror stories, just horror stories of people whose identity was stolen and they didn't catch it very quickly and now they're coming after them for something that wasn't their fault. So shred those statements. Slide number 40. Take three actions once you know it, if they haven't contacted you beforehand. Contact the fraud departments of each of the three major credit bureaus. Contact the creditors that you believe have been tampered with or opened illegally and file a police report. Hmm? Why do they want you to file a police report? Well, we'll discuss that on the next slide. But as I said, I really have been impressed by this organization. I mean, I've never dealt with them. You know, I've always dealt with my, it was always, it was always through our credit union that we got hit like two, three times. And, uh, and so, but I, on there, as searching around, nosing around for, for stuff for the presentation, I was impressed with um, these individuals. So definitely uh, think of idtheftcenter.org when you're, uh, if you're investigating ID theft. Now, why? Why should you bother to file a, a police report? Hmm? Slide 41. What are the sources of identity theft? Well, many of them are simply breaches at a business. Somebody gets your uh, credit card information or whatever in the business and then gives it to a friend of theirs who doesn't work for that business and you got it, right? Or I always wonder, what do they do with that credit card when in a restaurant and they run, run away with it? Hmm. People just losing their wallets, losing their checkbooks, losing their, their credit cards. But look at number three, friends and family members. Right. You gave your credit card to your brother-in-law, the good-for-nothing, who said he needed an emergency uh, tire for his car so he'd get to work. And then he goes to Vegas and runs up $1,500 on your credit card. 
that's why they want you to follow it, file file a police report because they're going to say, look, you know, <laughs> you gave it to them. <laughs> so, so that's why. So, does do you think that your brother-in-law should go to jail for that? Well, yeah, that's then then you pay for it. Having your mail stolen is another uh, uh, high, you know, nine percent of identity theft. Which is why you really should have a lock on your uh, your mailbox outside, and it's only nine percent of those scams, uh, hackers, phishing expeditions. Many people think this is the biggest one, but no, this is actually one of the smaller ones. There are credit protection businesses, ten bucks, fifty bucks a month, to protect you and ensure your identity. And virtually all of these services can be done by you for free. In fact, paying for protection, huh? It makes you feel as though you are dealing with organized crime. We want you to pay us so you'll be protected. Mm-hmm. Slide 42. Here are the things that you can do that you don't have to pay for, folks. Freezing your credit. Now, supposedly this is going to become freeze very soon. That's what we were told. I don't know if it's going to happen or not because the credit bureaus don't want you to freeze your credit. That's what I charge you, 10 bucks per credit bureau. Now, in the state of California, if you've already been targeted for ID theft, then they can't charge you. It's free. And what does freezing your credit do? Well, it basically says to any new individuals and entities that want to open credit in your your name, you don't want it. Don't you dare open any credit in my name. I have frozen my credit. So if you want to do that, it'll cost you 10 bucks per credit bureau. And then when you want to unfreeze, it'll cost you again $10. Now, check out if I'm right, because I don't, I, what I read is that they're going to make it so that it, it has to be free. And we'll see if that, what they come through or not. So you check out and see if, if, if they've done that or not. All right. I'll leave that to you. Now, the fraud alert is far less severe. At 90 days, it's no charge. You call the credit bureaus. You only have to call one, but you can call all three or go on their website and say, you know, I think I've been targeted. And what does the the fraud alert say? It just tells the lenders, hey, this person thinks that they may be a target. So just make sure that you're dealing with that person. Ask for some identification. You know, have them come in. Don't do anything over the internet, and usually you just do it for 90 days because then you know the crooks go and find somebody else. But you can have it done for up to seven years, and then some of the companies do all these really innovative, sometimes over. I think sometimes they're over zealous because you'll get a text or a phone call or an email saying, "Did you just try to book a flight to such and such?" Yes, I did. <laughs> That's why I got the credit card. <laughs> And so, but, you know, one time I got a call, did you just try to book a flight in Panama to somewhere? And I said, no, that wasn't me. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, so we had to get a new credit card. Uh, Consumer Reports, which is a pretty good organization, we'll come back to them. They have a very dim view of the value of these fee-based services. So check out their uh, uh, article on that. They say, look, pretty much anything you really need to do, you can do yourself for free. So I think I agree with them. Slide 42. What are the creditors looking at? Well, they are looking for what are called the five C's. 
character. Do you pay your bills on time? Do you pay your bills on time? Do you pay your bills on time? <laughs> right? That's the most important thing. They're also going to look at your capacity, and that's where your financial statements really come to come handy. You walk into a lender's office and you show them your financial statements. They're going to be very impressed. Now, they're not going to want them, right? They're going to do their own. They're going to ask you. They're going to have their own questionnaire and fill out their own software and programs that, that they deal with. But they'll be, they'll be very impressed, and they'll say, hey, look, this person's serious. Uh, capital, what are your assets? What are your net worth? What do you have in value that can be taken if you don't repay? As we said, this is usually for car loans, home loans, maybe furniture loans. They don't want the furniture back. But for credit cards, uh And then the last one you really have no control over, what economic conditions could affect your repayment. And we try to have a discussion about who gets credit, who doesn't. Well, it turns out the people who don't need it are the ones who can easily get it, typically. Sometimes the banks go crazy, as they did in the mid-2000s, and give credit to anybody who's breathing. That's a good sign. Can you fog a mirror, as they say? And then they go overboard, and after the Great Recession, after the borrowing binge, they weren't giving credit to anyone. So you can't get the banks to somehow get that medium there, where people who deserve and need credit and can use it wisely get it. And, uh, yeah, it's hard, it's hard for them to, to, to find that middle ground. But, you know, they, they do their best. And they're people, too, kind of, sort of, kind of like the IRS. So, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes people who don't deserve credit get it. Often people who could, you well, have it and, and manage it don't get it. So, crazy. Slide number 44. What happens if you're denied? Well, remember we said check your credit report because there might be something wrong on there. Ask why they did not um, uh, 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 approve you, and they're supposed to tell you. Find different creditors with different standards. Take steps to improve your credit worthiness. Make your payments on time. Maybe get a secured credit card. And if there's something untoward, and this is typical, folks, somebody... They, you know, all you need is mononucleosis, which is not that typical, but you get it. You're in bed for two months. You uh, uh, mess up your Achilles tendon, you can't walk for six weeks. So uh, you put that in the, the, the credit report and say, look, you know, I was, I was out of work for two or three months. I couldn't make my payments, but look, I'm making my payments now. And I called my creditors. I told them. I said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to make the payment, but I... I I guarantee that when I'm back to work, I'm going to start making the payments. And, you know, it's, it's not a magic bullet, but at least it shows them that, you know, you're responsible and you did, the, you did what you could. Make sense? I think so. Slide number 45. The major credit applications, the majority of credit applications at the major banks and credit unions are now computerized. They're electronically pre-screened. And if the FICO score is below around 600, the application is supposed to be reviewed by a human. But that's not how it works. The computer just says, we don't want you. Go away. Or they send you to their subprime department. Now, does that sound good? That's not good. You don't want to be subprime. That means they're either going to reject you outright 
or they're going to charge you two or three times what they're charging their regular customers. So you don't want to be in the subprime category. And the truth is, folks, one account in default. Just stop making payments on that on that one credit card you have, and your credit score is going to fall and fall and fall into the low 500s. Not good. So the moral is, check your credit files before you apply for credit. Get rid of erroneous data. Put your your side of the story in there. Get that secured credit card. Start making the payments and raise that credit score. Slide 46. Don't fall for these we will repair your credit 100% satisfaction guaranteed, folks. No. Anything legitimate that these people can do for you, you can do for yourself for free. And if they ask you to do something that's illegitimate, it's either illegal or it's not going to work. I mean, don't don't try it. Don't use your child's social security number or something. Just don't do it. So stay away from these people. All right? You can do it. Just go to... Um, um, well, we'll see. We'll take a look at some of the good websites for credit counseling, and IDtheft.org and FICO and the, the credit bureaus. They all have eh, decent information on how to do this, and the stuff we've learned here. Slide four. Oh yeah, let's look at some credit card. This is for the face-to-face -face class. Now we would jump and take a look at some credit card applications and see how they screw. I mean, see how they uh, offer their services to you. <laughs> Slide forty-seven. So, let's review. How long can adverse credit data, late payments, charge-offs, judgments, be reported on your credit report? Is it three years, five years, seven years, ten years? Hmm? It's ten years, right. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. And then, how long can a bankruptcy be reported? Three years, five years, seven years, or ten years? Right, it's 10 years. Don't forget these two numbers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The Fair Credit Billing Act, yet another led piece of legislation that our, our, our esteemed Congress bozos in Washington put together for us, says that the creditor must, uh, um, you, you, you should notify your creditor of any error within 60 days. Actually, call them up immediately, right? A correct address. They're supposed to respond within 30 days, and they have 90 days to resolve the problem or tell you why they think the bill is correct. And during this time, it's not supposed to affect your credit rating. So if something went wrong, it's not supposed to touch your credit rating. I don't know if it works or not. I've never tried it. And I've never done this, but other people have told me they were, they were successful. If you buy something over the Infernal Net or whatever at Medusa.com or... Is it Nile.com or Amazon.com? Then you, and they and they either don't send it or it turns out it's not what they said it was or it, it, it fell apart within 30 minutes. You can withhold payment, and the credit card company will say, okay, you know, they'll they'll, they'll talk to the, the 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 merchandiser and say this person said this was really awful, and supposedly it works. It said it, people who took, buy stuff a lot on the on the internet told me that oh yeah this works. So I've never tried it. Slide number 50. What's the significance of seven years? Not seven years bad luck, but seven years charge-offs, missed payments, late payments, judgments against you in, a, in say, a, you know, small claims court, and ten years. Bankruptcy, bankruptcy, bankruptcy. Good, 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 good. Slide 52. Now, how do you complain about consumer credit? Well, first go to the creditor. 
right? If it's JC Poopies or Macy's or whatever. And if that doesn't work, there are more formal complaint procedures. There are a variety of consumer per credit protection laws in federal agencies who administer and assist when complaint procedures. And the first one to go to is the FTC, ftc.gov slash credit. And given the billions of transactions that occur every month, folks, the system works pretty darn well, we must say, right? Because, I mean, if it didn't, if everybody was having problems every now, every month or so, you, yeah, there'd be an up, uproar of unbelievable proportions. 53, slot. You, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Yeah, well, you know what this one's supposed to do, right? Some of us are more equal than others. Well, don't give up. Never give up. Someone out there wants to lend with you, lend to you. Because the only, really, after everything is said and done, the only color they really care about is green cash. After you've established yourself, yourself, excuse me, as a good credit risk, the others will come calling and then you can tell them to kiss off. <laughs> what a great feeling. I know somebody went, went to, went to 26 different lenders. 26 before the 27th one said yes. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, this is a different part of the country. Not like, not def very, definitely different in California, which, you know, there's, there's, it's everywhere, folks. So, but this was a <laughs> good for them. Slide 54. Oh, things are not going as well as we'd like them to go. You, you notify your creditors. If you can't make a payment, at least contact them. Yes, because if a debt collector comes a call and then you know that they've given up on you and they've sent your, uh, they've, they basically sold your debt to somebody else. Uh, they, you might have owed them $600 and they sell it for $60. And now these people, whatever they get above 60 bucks, they're making a ton of money. And they don't always have the most scrupulous methods. So you have, uh, they must, uh, they, they five days, they must send you a written notice of the amount. It's got to be in writing. You can dispute the debt and they have 30 days to verify. Now, if they start calling and they're very rude or whatever, or even if they're not, you send them a letter stating that all further contact should be via the U.S. Postal Service. You understand? That letter, and keep a copy, says, don't bug me. Uh, you send me stuff in the mail, I'll deal with you in the mail, but don't come a-calling, don't, don't call at all hours of the night, because on slide 55, we find that collection agencies cannot be abusive or threaten you. They'll, they'll threaten you with jail terms, folks. That's not right. That you, they don't, we don't have debtors prison anymore, all right? Uh, they, 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 if, if you tell them to send you, you send them a letter saying everything through the mail, they can't call you at work. They can't call your boss, your friends. They can't call you at odd hours. They must follow set procedures. And if they don't, you can turn around and sue them. Yeah, so, so uh, make, document everything. And it's interesting that this act does not apply to creditors and try to that try to collect the debt themselves. So if Target comes after you, they it doesn't apply to them because I guess the Congress figure they don't do this kind of stuff. But if Target sells your debt to some fly-by-net organization, yeah, they're the ones that they're trying to keep from from harassing uh, citizens. Slide number 56. Now, this has nothing to do with the seven years and the ten years, folks. And and this, I want you to read this carefully and, and maybe take a look at that. And there's another um, on the website or in Canvas. There's another um, 
uh, link to a, another uh, uh, article in the LA Times. Every state has a statute of limitations on how long a person can be sued for debt. So every state's different, and California's four years. Now, notice, notice, the debt is not erased. It doesn't mean you don't owe the money. It just means they can't come at you in the courts. Right? They can't come, they can't sue you in court for the money after four years. However, they're going to try. They, they don't care. They know the law, but they don't care. They figure you don't know the law. So if they uh, petition the court and it's after the four years, you just come back and say to the court, no, this is time barred. This is past four years. And the court says, cool. If any part of the debt you pay or acknowledge that the debt is yours, then the statute of limitations can start all over again. So I'm not... We're not telling you this so that you can get out of paying the debt. It's still a debt, but it's just something to think about when you're trying to juggle, if you're in that situation where you're trying to juggle all things around. Uh, you can just say, look, you know, all right, you know, I, I heard you, but this is over four years. It is time barred. And again, has nothing to do with the seven years and the ten years. It's totally different. So it really... What, it would be a good idea for you to check out that article and the other one from the LA Times because they're both well written and they explain it fairly well. And most people don't know this. They really don't know this. It's one of their options. And it's not so you can get out of debt. I'm not telling you that, folks. We're not telling you that. Slide 57. <clears throat> Here are the major credit counseling services. And this is a great option if you're in trouble. If you're in credit trouble, you can seek help from a nonprofit credit counseling services. Now, if they're nonprofit, who's paying for their uh, their operations? Guess who? The credit card companies, right? <laughs> they don't want you to go through bankruptcy, right? Because that means that they lose. So they want you to be able to get back on your feet again and uh, and make your payments. So these companies will basically do what we're doing here. They'll 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 uh, provide you with education, uh, cre make you help you create a, a spending plan, a cash flow statement, net worth statement, right? And debt counseling services, debtors anonymous, and and places like that that just say, look, you know, I, I can't control myself. Same you know, similar to you know debt, uh, gamblers anonymous, alcoholics anonymous. Because for some people, it's just it's like an addiction. They just feel that they have to spend, 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 spend. So uh, we're not we're 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 not all perfect. Wouldn't it be nice if we were perfect? The Greeks understood this 2,500 years ago. They knew that wine was a wonderful thing, but it could destroy you <laughs> if you have that uh, that gene, that addictive personality gene, or or that uh, that lust for that uh, that feeling of uh, intoxication. It can destroy you, and the same thing is true with uh, with uh, gambling and and credit and narcotics and the like. Slide fifty eight. Here are some of the warning signs of debt problems: paying only the minimum balance, increasing the total balance each due each month, missing or alternating payments, or paying late, getting third or Second or third payment notices, borrowing money to pay debt payments, oh my goodness, not knowing how much you owe, going over your credit limits, not talking to your partner about money, or only talking to your partner about money. Okay, okay, so we have a problem, 
maybe we ought to talk to a lawyer or, or think about bankruptcy. Now, what is bankruptcy, folks? It's a tool, right? It's a something that's in the law that is there because people are sick, you know, financially. And it literally, the, the word comes from the, the time when, when banks used to be somebody's um, plank. A bank was, the word for bank also meant plank, a board. And in the money areas, and in, in the areas where they would exchange money, you know, you read your Bible, the temples, they had the money changers in the temples, they, these, these uh, bankers would have a bank, a plank, and they'd set out their money and they changed their money. And when one of them would go uh, in trouble, they, they, they were insolvent, the authorities would come and rupture their bank. They would break their bank. And that's where the word comes from. So, so in other words, it's there to help you as the, as the borrower. And also, it's there because the banks have done things that they really shouldn't do. So people think it's just a way to get over in the banks. But it, it, yes, some people do. It was designed as a last resort, but for some people it's become an acceptable tool of credit management. A couple of presidents we've had have used it quite extensively. Many, especially the credit card companies, were complaining that, hey, these people are abusing bankruptcy. And so they pushed through legislation in 2005 that made it harder to declare bankruptcy. And it, it looks, in, those of you who are interested in public administration and, and uh, you know, in, in politics and the like, you can go look at the K Street project where the Republicans in the in the House basically invited the people from K Street, which is the lobbying place in, in Washington, to come up and basically write the legislation. And oh boy, was there a huge backlash. And in 2009 and 10, they reversed many of what they had done and then added more protections for individuals. So, hey, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth. Uh, yeah, from your vantage point, was it good? Was it bad? You have to decide. But realize that it's a two-way street. These people are not supposed to be lending to individuals who can't make their payments. They're supposed to know beforehand. And then sometimes something horrible happens and they go through bankruptcy. A lot of bankruptcies are just because of medical reasons, right? And that's a different issue. Wait till we get to Chapter 9. Now, here's a joke that you may get, you may not get. Bankruptcy is a legal proceeding in which you put your money in your pants pocket and then you give your coat to your creditors. And so what's going on here? And it's mostly businesses that do this, although individuals try to do it too. They try to hide assets in some, with somebody else or maybe in a different corporation. And then they put all the debts on the one corporation or the one individual and then go through bankruptcy. Have people done this? Yes. People have done this multiple times. One of them's in the White House. So, uh, or was in the White House by now. Who knows? He might be out of the White House by now the time you read this. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, yes, there are people who abuse the system. There's no doubt. But that doesn't mean the system is corrupt. It just means that nothing we do is perfect, which we already knew that, right? Slide number six, the last resort. You really, you don't want to, you don't want to go through bankruptcy, folks. I'm not saying it's something you want to do. It, you know, it's like cutting off your arm. It's, it's, it's a surgery. It's not fun. But sometimes it's necessary. And there are two 
provisions, two portions of the bankruptcy code that apply to humans. Apply, I shouldn't say humans. Apply to individuals. Apply to private citizens. And that's chapter 13, which is, hey, you know what? I just need a little bit of time to get back on my feet. This is the one the credit card companies hope you go through. It's a reorganization, right? You, uh, you, uh, uh, you set up a trustee who now takes care of your finances and gives you protection from the creditors. They can't come after your stuff. And you, you um, uh, work out a payment schedule. So chapter seven is the is the fresh start. This is the one that the companies don't, the credit card companies don't want you to get go through. You're basically going to have many of your debts discharged. You get a fresh start, but that doesn't mean the debt collectors won't hound you for a debt that's been discharged. Save all the paperwork that you get from the bankruptcy so you can say, look, you can send them a copy. This debt is discharged. Go away. Or I'm going to sue you for harassment, which is what some people do. The credit agency, the, 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 I'm sorry, the debt collection agencies come after them, come after them, come after them. And the person can sue and often win because the courts take a very dim view of people who are not following their 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 discharge papers and they say Mr. so and so do you see that this debt was discharged uh yes sir why did you go after this person repeatedly uh we made a mistake yes you did <laughs> and you're going to be charged a very large fine for doing that too slide 61 after bankruptcy, you no longer owe retail store charges, bank credit cards, unsecured loans, hospital physician bills. One of the reasons that, that hospital bills are so large is so many people just go through, the, they wind up with a bill of $120,000 and they go, oh, and so that whole thing gets wiped off as they go through bankruptcy. After bankruptcy, you will, the, the book says you may, no, you will, still owe any taxes and fines, child support, college loans. This is a big issue these days with, with many, so many people with huge college loans, student loans, and you can't get them wiped off with bankruptcy. And then if you have any illegal activities, such as a DUI, which we'll discuss in the next chapter, uh, $15,000, $10,000, wrong. It cannot go away through bankruptcy. You're still going to pay it. And the county has their own debt collection services, folks. And I've met people who work there. They say they're very polite, but firm. <laughs> and, you know, it gives you a little county money now. So slide number 62. Should you consult a lawyer? Well, what do you think, right? Only if you believe it is okay not to consult a doctor and instead decide to take out your appendix by yourself. Well, I saw it on TV. You kind of cut through here and they just pull it out. Don't do it, folks. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because you're going to have to stand in front of the judge. And they're going to ask you questions. You, you give the wrong answer. Oh, I don't want to think what can happen to you. So get a good referral, dear students. Yes, find a good lawyer, by the way. Realize that they're going to want the money up front. Why? Because they know you're going through bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. There are plenty of lawyer jokes. But there is, there is a reason why we have lawyers, folks. Before lawyers, how do we handle disputes? Pistols at dawn, right, dueling. So I'll pay the lawyer 250 bucks an hour so nobody will shoot at me. <laughs> Cowards run in my family. Slide 63. 
oh, on your 10th wedding anniversary, you splurged on a $5,000 second honeymoon, honeymoon, which you charged to your credit card with an interest rate of 15.9%. How long will it take you to pay back the debt if you make only the 2.2% minimum payment each month? Is it 13 years, 19 years, 28 years, or it'll be paid out of your state when you die? It's 28 years! What? Are you serious, Piano? Well, yeah, I think they've upped this to 2.4. I think it now has to be 2.4. But at two, you're only paying 2.2% every, every year, and, 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 and you're getting charged 15.9%. I'm sorry, minimum 2.2% every month. And you're getting charged 15.9%. That debt is going to go down very, very slowly. And that banker or that credit union is going to be licking their chops because that parasite now has their needle, their hook in your arm, and they're bleeding you slowly. Slide 64. How much of a charge will you pay in those 28 years on that $5,000? Is it almost 3000 almost five, a little over seven, or over 15000 It's $7,000, folks. That's 5000 plus 7000 12000 plus that's after-tax money. So depending on your, your, uh, your, your um, marginal tax rate, remember you wanted to forget about that from Chapter 3, the marginal tax rate may be 25%. Now we're looking at almost $20,000. That $5,000 honeymoon costs you twenty grand. Yes. So, what did the new law uh, expect credit card companies to do? Under the new law, on slide 65, the credit card companies now must disclose how long it will take you to pay the balance. Take you to, oops, to, be, to pay the balance. And how much will you actually pay if you only make the minimum payments? So, this is this came from the world of restaurants, where some, com, com, uh, no, not country, cities, like New York, I think was the first, but all, all around the country now, they require the restaurants to show the calories. How much you're actually, oh my goodness. Well, because the restaurant wants you to be happy, so what do they do? They put lots of butter and lots of sugar, lots of fat in the food, and so that you're happy, but you just walked out of there with a 2,000 calorie dinner. And so it turns out that when people saw this, they would order exactly. So the idea here is that they see, if you only make the minimum payment, it's going to pay, take you 21 years to pay this. And you're going to wind up paying almost, no, a little over $11,000. Right. But if you simply upped your payment to $195 a month, it would only take you three years, and you'll wind up paying only $7,000. Cool? So the hope is that people who have not taken Business 121 will be motivated to pay off their balance quicker. But, of course, all of you already knew this. And those of you with credit card debt have already created goals to pay that debt off, right? Nod your heads yes. Thank you very, very much, dear students. I'm so proud of you. Slide number 66. What is the bottom line on credit? Make love, not loans. <laughs> Or, you know, live beneath your means, pay yourself first, pay, spend less than you earn. We started with a very crude quote, which I think is kind of funny, but it is crude. But now let's start from a very um, uh, a serious quote from one of our founding fathers, John Adams, 
from a letter to Thomas Jefferson. Now, these two gentlemen were really interesting compare. They were on opposing sides of the political spectrum, and they were often at odds with one another. But they were the best of friends and the best of competitors at the same time. And they both died on the very same day. Is that really? It's just unbelievable. Uh, their, their lives were intertwined. So, And what did John Adams say? Back in 1787, folks, nothing new. All the perplexities, confusion, and distress in America arise not from the defects of the Constitution, not from want of honor or virtue, so much as from downright ignorance of the nature of coin, credit, and circulation. Now, ain't nothing new, folks. <laughs> the banksters have been bleeding us for hundreds of years. So you are now, I hope, forearmed, forewarned, and ready to do battle with them, and you are not going to let those parasites stick their needle in your arm and suck you dry. Cool. So thank you very much for your excellent effort and attention. We are now ready to tackle consumerism in our next chapter, where we try to have a little bit of fun uh, with some serious issues. Be awesome, dear students. Bring honor and glory to Southwestern College. Thank you so much for being in our class.